What is happening, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Tour Life. We're back, baby. And I am in Lynchburg, Virginia, where it all began. Yules, how are you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm home. I know. So I'm lucky. I went I went dark horse route. Um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to eventually drive down for USDGC anyways. And I'm having to come to Lynchburg next week for the Heiser Club Championships. Can't wait for that. So I was like, let me just drive down there now, get a little bit of work in, fly back to Vegas, watch the Raiders dominate the Steelers, and then fly back to Lynchburg. (laughs) Dude, Steelers Steelers look so bad. But we scrapped out a dove, man, this last week. They don't look good. I'll I'll be honest. They don't look good. (laughs) We Um, can't get a first down. It's basically our defense playing every single team. It was... uh, it was scary too because um wait size can I move my screen a little bit? Gonna... Here's the thing. Good talk TJ, to me. TJ Watt difference maker. Just an absolute difference maker. TJ Watt is? Yeah. Um I was trying to just move it so Yuli's like lined up underneath the camera. Oh, is that on your end? Don't worry about it then. Don't worry about it then. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Oh, there we go, Psy guy. Heck yeah. If that if that works for you, yeah. wait, no, make it small and then make it at the top. That's better for me. Yeah. And then at the top. Yeah, right there. And then, yeah, to the right, like right in the middle. I don't or like do you... being moved around like this. Yeah, there, right honestly. there. That's good. See, now I'm talking to you and I'm looking at the camera. I think that works. I think that works better for me. All right. So here's the situation. I had to pick the bills last week against the Raiders for my survivor league. Kelsey did not like it, but at the end of the day, I told her I will never root against the Raiders when she is at home. I'm allowed to root against them. (laughs) If it's a survivor league pick when they're on the road, (laughs) those are the only stipulations. Those are the only stipulations. So Cowboys also, my gosh, they look incredible. They look absolutely incredible, but all right, enough with the football talk. We're gearing up here. We got a couple weeks off now before USDGC. Um, We have the women's tournament, the women's uh, we'll get into that in a second. The United States women's disc golf championship that's coming up this week. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but leading up to USDGC, we're going to probably have some guests on next week would be my guess. Um, But this week, very excited. We were trying to get him on last week. We were kind of joking around before we started, Yuli, that if you cancel or like say, hey, I'm not going to come on the podcast anymore, I think the percentage of you winning the next tournament might be 100% right now. Yeah. I think it's happened a couple times now. It happened with Matty O, but we are excited to have Matty O on the podcast. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, he's an interesting one, too, because he's been in the game for so long. We've had people on that were in the game back in the day, but not in the game anymore. We've had people on that have just started being in the game. He's been in the game very similar to you. Like you two both have kind of been around, right? Um, So I'm very curious to kind of see what's going on. So we're going to have Matty O on. We're going to talk obviously about the MVP open. Uh, We're going to talk about the tour championship that is finalized now, as far as who made it and who didn't some bad champion cup news that we're going to be talking about with WR Jackson and then uh, a couple social media things. And then we're going to wrap it up here and I'm going to catch a flight back 
to Vegas, baby. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. MVP open went down final playoff event. Everyone's trying to make a push for the tour championship. Everyone's trying to get those last uh, points. I think the biggest story going into the final day was the win situation that went down on round three. So I want to jump into that first. What was your takeaways on how that was handled and kind of give like, where were you on the course? What, what went down with you with the, uh, the wind delay on round three? I was on hole seven and I had just lay seven to like 25 feet Ooh, in that crazy wind. Um, to go to, so I was about to go to two under and in, in my putting stroke, basically they call it. So I got ice on that for a while. And honestly, in the moment, like we're all confused. We didn't know what was going on. Why are they delaying this? It's wind. Uh, there was a lot of talk that they did it right before the lead card, which was true. They did it like a minute before the lead card. Mm-hmm. I had a big problem with that. So I talked to Jeff and I talked to Seth about it and they said it was random luck that it, it wasn't, that wasn't the case. Mm. So randomly they, they stopped and pulled everybody off at the, of the course one minute before the lead card goes off, which even if they pulled it off and knowing that the lead card was about to go off, I would have, it would have made sense because that was when the peak winds were up and you're about to have a thousand people go out there and follow the lead card. Mm-hmm. So there's just going to be massive amounts of people in the woods. And they, I guess they just didn't think it was safe. What it comes down to is they use a graph. And I guess in the graph, it said at the point where they stopped play was the peak Gus mm. for the day. And that's why they stopped it is that was the peak. Yeah. Now with that being said, I don't care what the weatherman said. When I went back out there, it was windier. Yep. Than before. That's, it's kind of it's that's kinda, frustrating for the player. Yeah, it's like when it says it's not raining on your weather app, but it's raining, and you're like, yeah. it's raining. <laughs> exactly. I don't so, know how much we can trust weather apps at the end of the day no, with that stuff like that. But I mean, I guess the word on the streets is everybody was frustrated with what happened because then the then the lead card goes out and potentially gets to finish the round with less wind mm-hmm. than everybody who was out there already playing. The other thing is, is people were saying like, "Hey, you're you're stopping play right now for safety, yet you have us out here playing right now, and it's super windy." Mm-hmm. So they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. At the end of the day. When things like that happen, you just have to trust whoever is the guy doing, making the call. You have to trust that your safety is in his hands and he's making his best decision possible. That's it. And it's a tough pill to swallow, believe me, because it took me a couple days to kind of digress and be like, because I go out there. This is, I guess there is one thing I, I had a big problem with. This was the one thing. They gave us 15 minutes to go back out there. We're two hours out. Okay. So they call it. We're two hours from playing. We're waiting, doing nothing, not knowing what's going on. And then they send us a text. I actually didn't get a text. I found out from Calvin. That I don't know what text thing they're using. It doesn't go out to everyone. And then sometimes it goes out like 30 minutes after they'll be like, we're restarting at in 15 minutes. And you look and you're like, that was, that was 30 minutes ago. (laughs) So, so they say 
you got 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So you head out there. I was on hole seven. It took me a little bit to get out there, especially because all the fans are now jolting out there. Yep. There's nowhere to warm up. And now I have to make my 25 footer. So I'm practicing that. That's good. But then I got to go to hole, hole eight, eight with a 90 th- mile an hour crosswind. <laughs> and I'm first at the box and I haven't thrown in two hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's my that was my biggest problem. Like, if we're going out at this, why make it three o'clock or four o'clock whenever they made us go back out there? Why not make it four thirty? Allow us to warm up somewhere and be like, okay, make your way out, get there at least a half hour. Yeah, the biggest the biggest issue with that is you know when they called it for us, we were on hole twelve, so as far away as you can potentially be from the clubhouse. None of us were going to walk back. Right. Cause initially like if they said like 30 minutes, so we were thinking it's going to take 10 to 15 minutes to walk there. As soon as we get there, 10, 15 minutes later, they're going to say, Oh, you guys need to start soon. It didn't make any sense. So we were all chilling out there. Um, the big issue that they For have two hours. Yeah. Yeah. The bit I ended up eating a bison sandwich. I, I went to the food truck that was right there and got a delicious bison sandwich while I was waiting. <laughs> The big issue, though, is with the the rewarming up. I agree with you. If you're around hole one or two, and they call it, you can basically go through your entire warm up again, throwing in the net, putting all that stuff. Where we're kind of limited out there now. Here at the end of the day, my big problem with kind of everyone complaining, and I think everyone has a right to, but you have to also do it when it's advantageous for you as well. So when you were at Idlewild and you got to go out and play your entire round in the light, and then the leaders had to play the last couple holes in the dark, that's a disadvantage to the leaders, right? So there's, there's positive and negatives. I feel like a lot of times we just focus on when it really is uh, negatively affecting you yourself. Um, But at the end of the day, it's never going to be fair. Now, the one thing I thought was interesting is there isn't a precedent with like when they're stopping play and whatnot with lightning. It's very clear. If there's a lightning strike within a certain mileage from the course play stops for 30 minutes. And as, as as soon as there's another lightning struck strike, it's another 30 minutes with this. There isn't, um, we were actually on hole six. We'll have Silas. You can play the video real quick. This is me on hole six. Uh, like I said, they Mario oh, spoiler alert. Um, this is the video of me on hole six. The, uh, like I said, we got stopped on hole 12. So this is maybe an hour, an hour and a half before they called it. This just kind of gives you an idea of what we were playing in. And like you said, Yuli, when they restarted it, it was not less windy than it was like, this is me trying to make a 15 foot putt on hole six. This is ridiculous wind. And, um, on this tee pad, a tree limb that was maybe 10, 15 feet fell from like 30 feet up. Thankfully it fell kind of in the woods by us and not by the spectators or us on the tee pad, but it crashed down to the point of it would have actually probably hurt someone pretty bad. So I was curious of, you know, again, like I'm not, when that happens, it didn't pop into my head. Like, Oh my gosh, I need to let someone know that like branches are falling out here. Maybe in the future I will, because I think that's what ultimately stopped it. Someone mentioned 
to someone that a branch had fallen close to spectators on hole 14. And then they came out, assessed the situation. And that's when they called it. So I actually asked Seth, I was like, Hey, if I would have texted you on hole six, a branch fell, would you guys would have just called it? And he's like, no, we would have came out, assessed the situation and made a call. So there really isn't like a specific, this is what's going to happen. I think it's a case by case basis, which makes it really tough. And I know like the timing wise, it looks bad, but ultimately I don't think if I'm the disc golf pro tour and I'm the disc golf network, I don't think one of the major events that we have, you lead all up to it. And then right before they're about to tee off, they're like, no, let's stop it for two. That doesn't make sense to me. So I'm not really buying into the conspiracy theory of them stopping it. So the leaders didn't have to play in the wind. I think it just was unfortunate timing with how it ended up being. And this is something that, you know, it's just a fluke situation. Hopefully it doesn't happen again, but it was a weird one. No one, no one really knew what was going on. Yeah. And I heard, I heard from from somebody that there was a Reddit post about Seth Muncie and how he should be fired and all this stuff. Let me tell you this. Seth is one of the coolest dudes <laughs> out there. That dude, the fact that he's in charge of like lightning delays and all those things makes me feel very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so whoever's talking trash behind his back and saying all this stuff about Seth, like zip it up. That zip guy's it. yeah, that guy's freaking awesome. Shout zip out to up. Seth. Um, a couple things we had, a couple other storylines from it. Uh, this tournament that I had is hole four, the shortest, scariest hole on tour. <laughs> that, what about Nevin? That little dink. There is one, maybe not scariest. Maybe like, maybe a better term would be like hardest puzzle. What about like puzzle? Uh, most puzzling because yeah, for sure. Technical, most technical. I mean, I saw so many different shots. I saw the straight putter shot backhand, straight putter shot forehand. I saw a flex backhand. I saw a eagle through a grenade on that hole, which is like Tomahawk. Tomahawk. I mean, so for such a small, short hole, there are so many different ways of attacking it. I saw Um, jump putts. Yeah, the jump putt. Well, I yeah, I saw people completely off the tee pad putting, which was interesting as well <laughs> in some videos. What did um, you do? Just a sidearm. I'm guessing. I, yeah. I went like flip up jawbreaker zone forehand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's just more, co- most comfortable, but uh, that was, a, that was an interesting hold for sure. And hopefully they, they, hopefully you guys got to enjoy watching some crazy shots on that. Cause like I said, they were all over the board um, all over. Um, I threw, uh, that's the only hole in my career ever that I've ever thrown a thumber off the tee. And I've done it two years in a row every round. Yeah, that's what I think that's what Ezra was doing in practice too, a thumber. So interesting. Um, a couple other things I got here. Anything, anything to take away from lead card being four holes behind chase card. Now I know they obviously are gapped at the beginning, so there aren't going to be any backups, but they obviously did fall off pace of play a little bit. Did that, take away a little bit of the suspense and whatnot with Maddie being that far in front of everyone or are you tough. okay with it? It was tough. Like for my job, post-produced commentary was kind of tough <laughs> having like three holes or four holes left. And it's like, yeah, these guys are done. <laughs> like, there's no, they're not going to catch no chance. Like, Oh, they're trying to get points, you know? Um, 
No, it was, I, I don't know. I think that was just random. It's usually not like that. I feel like my argument to that is first, whenever we're in the woods and there's a lot of spectators, there was a lot of people out there. Yeah. It takes a while. It's going to take a while. So there are times where those guys are ready to go and they can't throw yet. And it's not because they have a card in front of them. It's because they have to wait a minute for all the spectators to cross the green, cross the fairway. So a lot of times it's not on the players themselves in those situations. And then the other thing I would say, if we do end up going the route, which I think we eventually will with disc golf, I don't think we're going to stay with four people on a card forever. It just doesn't make sense. So eventually we are going to get to a spot where we're playing with twosomes. And if you look at that, you would have eight people spread out across four holes, which makes complete sense, you know, four groups across four holes. So there will be scenarios in the future, which I think will be exciting for a lot of courses as well, where you could have someone on the fourth card, fifth card, posting a score and then you got to see if the leaders can chase them down or you got to see if the leaders can hold on, right? Like maybe yeah. it's a really hard course and it finishes really hard and the leader finishes at seven under and someone's at six under. And it's like, can they get another birdie with the last four holes? Yeah. That's going to happen as well. So I, I'm not too concerned with the four hole gap, mainly because again, this reasoning is because Lee card, lots of people in tight woods, it's very hard for those guys to, to play just as fast as everyone else. Um, so that would be my only argument there. Pace of play though, did seem pretty good out there. I would say it did seem like a lot of people have, I, I had a decent amount of people come up and had conversations with pace of play. It does seem like, I don't know if it's us or other people on social media. It does seem like the word is getting around Yuli and people are getting fed up with it. And that's only going to be positive for everyone. So everyone keep playing faster keep walking faster. Um, I got to talk about this floating advertisement on hole eight, the clip of Ezra Robinson, where he skips off of it and lands. How do you feel about having obstacles that are not stationary on holes like that? I feel like if that was like the most, again, the most random thing I've ever seen in my life. What was that? That was the worst shot I've ever seen, <laughs> ever. That would have been in the middle of the lake. Yes. Like the middle. My my question is, why wasn't, why wasn't that advertisement like towed down, like anchored down <laughs> 200 feet to the left? Like it would still be in the frame. You know. could still see it. But like you're throwing and like some people had it directly in the middle of the basket. And then, you know, you would have it a little bit off to the side. And <laughs> I was just like, and once Ezra hit it, I think it, it was in everyone's head when they walked up to that hole. Um, Cause I didn't notice it prior to Ezra hitting it. But then once he hit it, I was like, I'm just, I'm almost like staring at it when I'm <laughs> getting ready to throw. Uh, I just thought that was an interesting, uh, a little interesting thing that we saw on the course itself. Um only other thing that I have on the course before we go into like kind of the leaderboard a little bit is this is, this is a little bit of a hot take. I think some people aren't going to like this take, but this course I think is a very good course in the fact of how it can mentally kill you. 
Yeah, you saw it from a lot of people out there today or uh, this past week that didn't play well that you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they shot that much. A lot of that has to do with just the the mental mental grind of having to play these holes and getting bad kicks and having to scramble and just it, it takes a lot out of you. The only thing I would say that I think would be a really good, quick and easy way to take out a lot of the flukiness that players talk about on this course is just adding Mandos. And my perfect example, I'm just going to give one example of a hole so you can kind of have an idea of what I'm talking about. Hole eight, perfect example. No one is trying to go left of that tree. No one is trying to go right of that tree. There's, there's two trees that like frame up the basket perfectly. No one is trying to go outside of those trees. Everyone is trying to throw through those trees. Now, if you go outside of those trees, some people get lucky and land on the green and some people don't. That's very, to me, that's very fluky. How do you eliminate that? You make a double Mando. And some people are going to hate that. And some people are going to love it. And this is kind of like the debate of like, where does disc golf go from here? Do we want the, do we want to keep the flukiness? Do we want to keep it to where sometimes bad shots get rewarded? Or do we want to go to the to the route of where no, only good shots should really get rewarded? Because to me, this is where my bigger problem is. I'm going to relate it to golf. If you hit a bad shot in golf, that's going out of bounds. It sometimes might hit a tree and drop in bounds. And that was lucky versus going through the tree or under it and going OB. The only difference though, is that person that hits the tree and drops down. They don't have an easy birdie. In disc golf on hole eight, if you shank your shot left or right, you could nick a tree and ricochet and be underneath the basket and have an easy tap and birdie. So my question to you, Yuli, is what do you think disc golf should do moving forward? Should they try to remove the flukiness by adding mandos? Or is that just part of disc golf and that's just something that we have to suck up and play with? I've been saying this for years. Mandos are great. You know what I envision in the future? This is what I envision. You know, in like uh, those little remote control boat races, how they have to go through the like uh, inflatable. Yep. Why don't we have a bunch of those everywhere? Like it's free advertisement. You put them up, they're up in the fairways and that's what you got to get through. Similar to like the triple Mando things that we have sometimes right in front of the, ba- uh, the tee pad. Yeah. Similar to that. Yeah. Very similar. Like, you know what I mean? But that look, mm-hmm. why don't we have that look? I don't know. Like it'd be easy. You could put it on traditional golf courses too that we use all the time. Put it in the middle of the fairway. You got to go through there. I don't see what the big deal is. Everybody wants uh every it seems like some people want the flukiness, some people don't. I don't know. I <laughs> I have a hard time talking about Maple Hill cuz yeah. I went back and I went back with an open mind about the number one disc golf course in the world. There's Here's the thing though, Yuli, there really is only one really bad hole. There's holes that you can get lucky, but there is only one bad hole to where yes. Like you can throw a good shot and be rewarded on every hole except for hole 6. That's the only hole that if you throw a good shot on, you're not guaranteed to get rewarded. Every other hole, I I don't see another hole that you there are lines on every hole to throw good shots on. That would be my only thing. I think it's the most challenging course off the tee that we have. Yeah. I've always said that I love playing there because it's tough. It's a lot of tough shots. It's tough. And then you don't, it doesn't get easy. 
No. Down the stretch. There's no easiness. Um, all right, let's go down the leaderboard a little bit here on the MPO side. Obviously, no, we're gonna have Maddie. No, 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 no. Oh, wait. What? This place. I'm gonna just name a few things because I like I said, I played this year oh, with an open mind. Okay. I found more things I don't like about the place. Oh, you have a list. All right. Let's <laughs> I hear. got a list. All right. So I already talked about the Christmas trees. Yep. They're bigger and better than ever. <laughs> They're giant. Mm-hmm. There's rock walls on every hole. There's lots, lots of rock walls. Yeah, I gotta turn this on real quick. Rock walls on every single hole. That's our OB line. You know what? I will say this: coming into the property, I'm actually so impressed because those rock walls. There's no chance that that takes not that takes so much time to stack those things. They have a rock wall on the entire outside of their property, like miles worth of rock yes. walls. How long did that take? <laughs> I don't know. It took but, so long. And you hate them. <laughs> why do we have rock walls? Why is that cool? I mean, is there looks, any rock walls anywhere? It looks cool. I like it better. I like it better than, I guess, the cardboard walls, or do I? I don't know if I do. I don't I know. I think it looks cool. This I, place just throws so many curveballs <laughs> at me, bro. I don't know. I'm a fan of the rock walls. I think they look cool. Why You're don't you like the rock walls? Like they don't really, and they don't really cause any problems, right? You're just saying you don't like the look of them. They just bang up your disc, dude. Oh yeah. If you hit them, it's not good. Sure. But they're kind of out of the way. You shouldn't hit them. If you throw a good shot. No, people are playing for the, for the hit, the rock wall. Really? Hole six. You want to hit the rock wall. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, hole six is a bad hole though. That's I, I agree. That is the bad hole on the course, but I'm, I, there's uh, no ground play. There's no consistent ground play at this place. Dude. Okay, that's there's true. There's more that roots is, that and, is more, true. That and is more true. little stumps than any place I've ever seen in my life. That is true. Hold hold 10, you're throwing, and there's just like a bunch of rocks, like little <laughs> rocks. And so it's like it's just whether you hit a rock. I'm not a huge fan of like that stuff in the fairway because I'm with you. Two shots can be very similar, and one just gets absolutely boned, and the other you don't. Know what so I'm with you on that. Okay, so you said that six is the only bad hole. This is my I last. So. This is my last. No, no. Hole 13 is garbo. That is a garbage hole. I'm sorry. Okay, hole 13 is not great. It's horrible. <laughs> hole 13 is not great. I will give you that Wait, too. I was going uh, big hyzer. I was just playing <laughs> plinko. That was the best route. If you go down the middle, there's a thousand different trees. There's a ditch. They built up a rock wall to stop like bad shots. From going deep, no, the no- wall was built because it's eroding away. Oh. I thought that I thought that's why they built the wall too, but they're like, no, this green is eroding away, so they had to build a wall to stop it from eroding away. It's so one that of the coolest even- holes ever to play in practice, but the tournament is just like it's so dude. I've watched so many people go left and park the hole, and so uh, many people go right at the basket looking good, and it's just like poof, hits a root, hits a tree. Oh my gosh, it's a spectator. Goes in the I saw somebody throw a really good shot and go in the water. Kicked right into the water. I was playing with Ezra and he was telling Ezra Robinson <laughs> and he was telling me right but like because we obviously were backed up. That was right when we kind of finished hole 12. Yeah. And he was saying that he saw his brother Isaac almost throw in the water behind the hole, which I didn't I didn't know there was a lake back yeah, there. There's a lake there. back there. He said he went like 200 feet past the hole. His this this just didn't hit anything. 
and just kept flying down the hill. So I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That whole, everyone's just kind of chucking a shot at the basket and you're hoping it doesn't hit a tree and you're hoping it kind of just has a good reaction. So I, uh, okay. Six and 13. I'll give you those last, two. Last one. Whole, last one. Whole 14 isn't good. I like whole 14 a lot. You're throwing on a road, dude. It's a gravel road. Okay. Put some, put some uh, sod down. And I like that whole lot. You love it. I think it's a really demanding shot and it's scary. It's, a de- it's there's nothing demanding about it. You have to hit a gigantic gap. And if you're smart, you're just throwing it into the woods left and you're getting strokes on everybody who's trying to park it. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, garbage. But, well, I don't like the drop zone. I don't like the drop zone there, but I think maybe, maybe you put like hazard or something down the left-hand side. So that way you can't have like that easy bailout way left and just make it easy par. Now all of a sudden that hole probably gets, yeah, maybe see, I think like, I think the essence of maple hole is, yeah, I think, I think the essence of maple hole is really good. I think they still just need to kind of tweak some things because players are now playing holes differently. And in certain ways that like, for example, like hole 14, I think that fixes the hole completely. So I agree. um, All All right. right. We're going to run down. I let us go know on what you guys think Whole about 16 is bad too. All let right, us know what you guys know. Oh, 16 is a fire forehand flip up baby uh, zone. <laughs> uh, let us know what you guys are thinking. Um, we're going to run down the leaderboard here before Matt gets on here, but Matty O takes it down uh, $18,000 big time for first place. Second place was between Aaron Gossage and Eagle McMahon, who both share $10,000. Gossage has had a pretty good season, man. Lots of second places. He's put himself kind of in the mix quite a bit. And obviously, Maddie just went berserk mode uh, in round four. But Gooseman shot 53 the final round. So he played really, really solid as well. Yep. Uh, he's having, and then obviously, we talked about Eagle being the number one player how a lot of people have kind of slept on him and not really talked about how much of a uh, great season he's had since Beaver state fling. Well, he backed it up again with another second place. Yeah. Uh, good finish by Ricky Simon and Calvin all tied at fourth place. Uh, Calvin shoots his highest round uh, final round. Uh, same with Simon, both of them shooting 59 final round. Definitely didn't have a great final round, but did enough in the first three to finish in the top five. And then rounding out your top 10, you have Benjamin Calloway, Ezra Robinson, Kevin Jones, and Alden Harris. Um, This is a course though. Like you go down the way we're playing it to only 25 people cashed. Um, Not so not that many people top top 25 was all it is. So it's t- it was a tough one to cash. Here's some notable names of people that didn't cash at this tournament. Chris Dickerson, Bradley Williams, Greg Barsby, Andrew Presnell, Corey Ellis. I mean, you go must name almost everyone. Adam Hammies, James Proctor, James Conrad, um, Ezra Aderhold, Linus Barella. Carlson, Anthony Barella. I mean, there's... It's a huge who it's a who's who this is. And this is where I think uh, Yuli going forward, if this was the field at like every event, right? Like the depth of this field, if that is at every event, the making the cut is going to be so important. Yeah. Like that's going to be such a, cause it's going to be, there's going to be so many people every week that miss the cut. So um, this one's all, I think this is the hardest tournament to make the cut. 
Oh, without a doubt. Just simply because yeah. of the, the small numbers, only 25, 25. people. That's it's, crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, Yuli, you, you had some really, really good rounds. It looked like you struggled a little bit in round three. I think a lot of people obviously did with the wind, but you, you played super solid and we're going to get to why that matters here in a second. But I think we have Maddie O ready Silas. So we're going to, without further ado, we're going to bring on the man himself, the 2023 MVP open champion, Matty O. I am. What up, brother? Congratulations, man. Thank you. Sorry for just now connecting. What's up, brother? I, How you doing? My first question, man. Could you see the future where you like, listen, I can go on tour life this week, or if you guys really want, you can wait a week and wait for me to be a winner. And then I can, <laughs> can go on. I feel like you were seeing the future there. Not necessarily, man. I was just trying to play my heart out the last three weeks. Uh, I was, I've been burnt out since Europe and I told myself the only way to stay, not burnt out was just to stay busy. So like I played like two or three skins matches after D glow played Rochester, played worlds, played another skins match and then played glitch world championships played maple hill so i stayed busy and i just tried to tell myself that how proud i would be after all this instead of just giving in and wanting to go home to do it as much as i can and honestly that's just the truth heck yeah uh before we get into it i do have a video from someone real quick so r real quick little video for you matteo awesome we'll have size play it here in a second by the way, I never watch myself, so you got to bear with me here. You're all good, brother. <laughs> We're just hanging out. Oh, you guys, this not live yet? Uh, just uh, maybe we can get audio on this, Silas. You being a, a big supporter of Alabama, huge fan. Oh, can you hear um, it, Maddie, or no? And then not yet. You know, uh, rough Are, couple weeks for us. Something that's just okay. uh, maybe, Maddie, you different. can't hear it. Anyways, and, it is. Know, uh, I'll send you the video maybe afterwards. It's AJ McCarron uh, telling you what's up. So, um, yeah. unfortunately I got it last week. I didn't let, I should have let him know that you freaking won the tournament, but he goes on. I think he talks for like two minutes about Alabama football. He kind of is trying to hype you up about the season and how maybe it hasn't been the greatest start uh, of Alabama football, but that, that there is potential there for them. So I'll, I'll have to send that to you off. Uh, but that was a cool little thing, uh, from a AJ McCarron there, who was, uh, what, what year, what year did he win it? Uh, he won it two years. He well, actually had three rings. He won the year, uh, is that McElroy oh. McElroy won. He was a red shirt. And then, uh, he won the year we played LSU, the 21, nothing game and then he won notre dame game he had a chance to win i think go four for four Dang. and that was the uh, kick <laughs> six year the kick oh. six year <laughs> yeah so dang yeah. yeah one one of the better alabama quarterbacks honestly of, of the oh, last yeah. couple decades um and, and he's a mobile alabama pride boy so we're mobile kids you know uh, oh heck yeah um the first thing i, I want to talk about is where did this i i feel like you have one of the better nicknames in disc golf. What, what was like the generation of the, of Matty O? How did that, how did that come about? That's a good question. Honestly. Uh, 
when I was a kid, I was just Matto because uh, my dad was Jimmo. Everybody called my dad Jimmo. <laughs> and my dad ran all the tournaments, and my dad was almost like, I don't know how to describe it, like almost like the Zeus of Southern Nationals disc golf. So, like, everybody bought disc, ran tournaments. If they wanted to run a tournament, they came through him. He designed a lot of the courses in Mississippi and down in the park. So, almost a lot of everything went through him. So I was just always Maddo, but I guess maybe this one guy, Buddy Picot, started calling me Maddio down south, and it just caught on. But it really started catching on, I guess, when I went on tour in 05 with uh, my buddy Worm and Eric Tracy. And I guess it was probably right there around that world's time in 05. It just started, it just stuck. It wasn't me. I never call. I don't care where nobody calls me, but I liked it. It stuck. Yeah. And it's, everybody's called me Maddio ever since. Well, there was a, a lot of people yelling it uh, this past weekend at Maple Hill. That's for sure. Um, one of the one of the questions that was brought up the most when we were telling people that you were going to come on Tour Life was they wanted to know kind of the backstory of how you came about with having potentially, I would say, one of the most unique putting and throwing forms on tour. So if you can kind of let people in on how did that come about, where did you learn, you know, was that, was that learned from someone or did that just kind of happen over time? Definitely was all a bunch of, uh, just little things, to everybody. But I used to put like my buddy rivers cause he was my hero and he was the best player in the South at that point besides Ken Climo, but in my area for sure. And he had this like real spinny putt, but then he ended up going to a putting slump. Like right when I started kind of playing, and then I started missing it. So I was like, okay, I'm getting rid of that. This is just a true story. <laughs> and um, ended up going one day when I was probably like 14. I used to mimic everybody just for the next two or three years, just trying to be, you know, how we all mimic people on the practice yeah. screen. Just, oh, I want to see which one works. And I finally got tired of it because it wasn't becoming fun no more. I realized it was like becoming mechanical. And I was trying to like, I wasn't even having fun putting no more. This is when I was a kid too. So one day I told myself, I'm just going to go up and pick the putter up as naturally as possible and tap it in. And whatever happens that way, I'm going to develop my form within that. And then I just kind of ended up taking tips. So that's when I picked it up and I ended up doing the, I guess, the little, weird little Annie thing that it really doesn't feel like I do at all. It's just kind of like a little cup or something, a little, I don't even, it doesn't even feel like I put it on any. I don't mean to do it on purpose. And uh, <laughs> tapped it in and. I read like KenClimbo.com about some like paint the pole and weight shifting. That's kind of why I shift that weight back and kind of like line my finger up with the pole through the karate, kind of karate stance. I can't necessarily keep myself in position because I can't quit moving my feet, but I kind of end up trying to do that thing. I guess that's just kind of how it all bases. And then just trying to make sure I have the under of my fingers really give the pop of the disc. I guess that's where Cam Todd kind of comes in the picture too because he i asked him one day i'm like how do you get so much spin on your putt you know because he does he didn't he just kind of popped it. he's like these two fingers here so all three of those are kind of blend in it to itself sorry maybe my phone a lot no no you're fine um a lot of names you've talked about so far have been kind of like the ogs in disc golf like the people that have kind of made the pro tour what the pro tour is now are there any newer players on tour that you've talked to about form or things of that nature, or have you kind of stuck with what has worked with you over the years and has kept kind of going in that direction? 
Oh, do we lose him, Silas? He gone. Oh, we might have lost him. Potentially. All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully he just rejoins here for a second. His phone honestly might have died is what might have happened. I'm not sure. We'll kind of figure out what's going on there, but we'll keep the show moving here as we always do. It's always something, Yuli, you know, it's always got to be something, <laughs> which is completely fine. We'll keep moving forward. Um, all right. So with, I think we're done talking about the MPO side of MVP. Was there any other storylines that stuck out to you on the, on the uh, MPO side? Not really. I mean, other than, yeah, I think the main points was Matty O and then the fact that uh, so, so many or so little people cashed kind of crazy to me. Yeah. There was a photo. um, There was a photo that Matty O took right after he won. I guess they did like the uh, confetti poppers or whatever. Yeah. This might be the photo of the year. It's a good photo. This might be the photo of the year. Uh, if you guys are listening on Apple or Spotify, you got to check out the YouTube just specifically for this photo because uh, it was absolutely incredible. Um, dude is such a character, full personality. Hopefully we get him back on here. Here, Oh, here he is. You're back. Can you hear us, Maddie? Can you hear us, Matt? I can hear you now. I swear oh. I didn't touch nothing. No, no, you're good. <laughs> You're good. Sometimes it's this program. But, uh, this program is kind of yeah, funky. If anybody a little bit. Had, if you want to take a moment, if anybody wants to uh, work for me on my uh, technological anything, <laughs> uh, I would like to have one because I'm terrible at it. So that would be. So reach need. out, reach out to Matteo, all you social media people out there. Help, help the man out. Um, okay. So the question before you dropped out, the question was with, with this big upbringing and uh, new, I guess, all these new up up and coming players. Have you looked at their game? Have you talked to them at, at all about what they're doing to kind of mold something or change any part of your game? Or have you stuck kind of with what has been working? I've definitely stuck to my guns. Like I, I honestly, because I'm kind of like on stage one of getting old, unfortunately, I'm not <laughs> like falling apart or nothing. But I really can't go out there and grind practice like I used to. I like the courses are just too hard. So I really, once you kind of go like off season starts, maybe you get like a couple of weeks off between those. But really, whenever it's the season starts, you're, I feel like I'm stuck with what I'm doing, whatever I learned on the off season, because I don't really got time to change much majority of anything. So I'm always just I'm all about putting it on the plate in play off the tee box, and then playing the whole backwards versus trying to attack the whole first and then have the simplest second stuff like that. But I just try to stick to my thing, man. Done it my whole life this way. I've kind of learned how I used to mess up. And that's more, I guess where I'm at these days is learning from my old mistakes, not really form wise, but from course wise practice routines, what I know I did right and wrong, drinking too much before a tournament, whatever it may be take playing too much one time, you know, all the above stuff that I try to play and just try to do what's best for me that week. Maddie question. Do you think you're better now than you've ever been? I mean, you've had a long, long career success at, all, at every single year. Do you think that you're playing better now than you ever have? Or, or has there been years where the wind just didn't come and you were like on it? 
I'd say I would. I had a my. I talked to my really good buddy in New Orleans, Javo, about this the other day, and he's told me he's like, "Dude, you've never played this good." Like I've seen you play. I've lived. I used to live over there and play with them all the time between fifteen, two thousand fifteen and seventeen, and we still play all the time. It's my best homie, you know. But he's like, "Bro, you know, I ain't never seen you play this good, bro. Like it's pretty impressive." And I like that. It made me feel good because he's not the guy that's giving me the best. Like he's not one to just be like. He tries to never say, I'm I'm your friend. I'm not your fanboy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's hard on me. You better believe it. So that was, but I feel like I've only had like a couple years that could even match it in a time. Like 2013, I remember I played really well that year. And besides that, maybe 18. And I mean, so I had, and I think both of the, these, so I'd have to say I am playing the best. So oh, heck yeah. about it. And now that I'm reflecting, I'm having to go through it a little bit, but yeah. Did you know these stats going into that final round that you had 60 top tens and it was 7,413 days without an elite win? Did you, did that cross your mind at all? Uh, no, but it damn sure felt like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, honestly, I had it. I was just in a good spirit that day. I was ready Honestly, I said, I think I might have even told you, I was, or you might have been around because we were all like yep. kind of there in the putting green. I said, no matter what happens today, 30 minutes when the putter releases my hand, I'm going home because it's just been a grind. This is the, I've been, all these years I've traveled, this has been the most I've ever been away from home and the longest I've ever been away from home when I actually have a life. Like back when I was a kid, I'm not saying I didn't have a life, but I literally just came home and played more disc golf and watched, you know, came back to dad's house. Now I'm, not just coming back here. I got to do like real world. So I got to do everything I didn't do when I was home and basically go back to doing off work business. You know what we got to do, like take yep. my car to the shop, do this, go start talking to my tax man, you know, all that stuff. Yep. I'm ready to buy a house here shortly and get out of my, my trailer I'm in right now. Oh, heck yeah. It's funny too. Cause you said, I think, you know, you probably had to stay after a little longer than 30 minutes after that last putt, but you probably uh, weren't, you probably weren't too upset about it. No, there was a little point in me. I was like, you know what, Matt? Cause I, I didn't realize it was going to be that long. Then they were like, there's a pro tour champion. Didn't you're going to do this? They kind of gave me a little thorough <laughs> breakdown of what was about to go on. I said, okay, just sit here and enjoy it. Just there ain't nothing you can do about it, Matt, Matt. So it was, it was a good time. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It's the only time I really ever got to celebrate like that. So it was pretty awesome. A, a lot of us were kind of questioning to your decision to go to that silver event right before worlds. Was mm -hmm. that, did you have that in mind to be like, Hey, maybe I can get one here. Is that, is that crossing your mind at all when you're picking tournaments? Uh, not necessarily. Honestly, I've had this weird superstition, like not superstition, but ever since Oh five worlds, I played the week before in Pittsburgh and I won my, I think it was my second A tier ever the week before worlds. So every time I've ever played a tournament the week before worlds, I've gotten a top five. It's like a true statement. <laughs> so I've done it like five times and I have the ones I have and I still play decent, but I was like, I'm sticking back to my old routine. Cause I did it last year at Kansas city. <laughs> wide open. I almost freaking died at the end of freaking both of those. Tournaments. <laughs> so I did it again this year, but it was a good one. Cause I knew I saw the field. I honestly knew that me and Ezra Robinson were going to battle before the tournament even started. I just had the sense, you know, and I, I knew it was a good tournament for me to kind of get back to my foundations. I, I knew I didn't have to play aggressive up there, and it kind of just got me back in sync. 
but it definitely was a big kind of got me back because after europe i i had kind of did good at idlewild but i kept like having like late rallies each round where i really never felt like i was in it and i still kind of had a good result but i really felt like i was never really in it in it if you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. so that was like my first time kind of being in it in a little decent while so it kind of got my kind of got me back in sync on just the way i play what about worlds you know, coming down the stretch, you end up getting third place. You make a nice putt on the last hole. What was that like kind of coming into this tournament? Did that did that show you that you're, like, playing really well and you had a good chance to win, especially being on the second card? Um, did you also, did you feel like you had a chance to win Worlds this year? Um, I feel like I kind of did. I kind of know I... I didn't really feel I woke up Friday feeling like crap and it wasn't because I went out to the festival or nothing. I don't I just think everything, maybe some weather change. I played the first round in the rain. Like I was one of those rain people that got to get done and not had to go back out. So I was a rainer and freaking, I don't know between all that. I just woke up feeling like crap Friday, kind of grind it through Brewster. And I ended up going into like a 13 hour coma. I ain't even lying after that round and, just woke up kind of about two and a half, two hours for round, which I never do because I actually kind of wake up early these days and uh, just went out there, p pounded a Pedialyte, got in the mix, and then all <laughs> of a sudden I just kind of kept, kept it rolling whenever you got, you know, there's a little hype whenever you end up, you know, you're in the mix and all that. And yeah. then I had a good late rally at Fox trying to put myself back in the second card. My whole house, I had the, I stayed with the same people for the last three weeks. It was like Casey White, Trayvon Crow. Randon, you know, had some the boys with us, is what we called Marky Mark, and freaking I came in, they were all like, "Let's go!" I was like, "All right, let's go, baby," you know. So having <laughs> them around me then too, for you know, it was super cool. And then that's when I was just like, "All right, let's go, let's try to really make this work." And it really gave me the confidence for MVP, truly, because you know I made some really good putts down the stretch at Worlds too. So that was like kind of gave me the confidence just to kind of get that putter rolling yeah talk talk about like when you've been in contention before what's held you back like obviously you figured it out this time has it you know has it been the putter that kind of failed you down the stretch of big tournaments or was it just like like i i tell people this all the time who don't know what it's like to win at the at this level like i swear i've played the best disc golf of my life in tournaments and lost and I've played the worst tournaments ever and lost by like less. Like it's mm. a weird, it's a weird kind of thing. Take us through like your career and all those like almost. What was that? Like My what almost, held you back? And I guess that's one reason. Like I've never really been considered a choker. Thank God. Like nobody's like Matt, you choke. I'm like I've never had that happen. <laughs> They've just always been Matt, you're close. So I've never really like gone to like I feel like I've always been close. Like I know I need to get better at wind putting for sure is number one because you know when you're battling down the stretch and it gets windy and you got nerves and you got maybe a hill behind it you really got to be assertive you can't really throw that half-ass putt like i like to do a lot and i'm pretty good at it too but you really just got to get there and grind it like ricky and paul and eagle and all the boys do that they just jam putts like calvin's doing now and right there when it gets clutch time and that was something that's probably been one of my biggest flaws getting the clutch thing going down the stretch and two, it just always seems like right there when they kind of get in the mix, you know, you throw one that barely goes out, 
takes the one little skip. It goes about five feet OB. That kind of little stuff that you're just, you know, the small stuff that you just got to step it up. Make sure you put the disc landing flat on the ground. Stuff I didn't think about when I was on the tee. I was just like, oh, just throw it over there and let it, you'll be fine. And then it takes a crazy skip and then you're five feet OB and you're like, shit. You know, <laughs> stuff like that that I've just got to, you know, learn over the game of golf of what kind of shots really need to put and throw and commit to. And speaking of clutch, like your putt on hole 17, in hindsight, you could have laid that putt up. I mean, you ended up winning by four, but in that moment, you're probably, you know, I think you've birdied what six holes or something, six or five holes in a row at that point. So you're just like all steam ahead. You being one of the more entertaining players on tour as well. What did you yell after you jammed that putt? Well, you- I yelled Dimebag Daryl. But I was gonna <laughs> yell but I was gonna yell Tom Brady on the one before that because but because I was in New England and I was like, okay, let's not get cocky now. So I yelled <laughs> Dimebag Daryl there too, but it was kinda like random. Okay, so for people like, that right. don't know, who is Dimebag Daryl? May's like one of the greatest metal guitarists of all time, man. Like, <laughs> Tara, dude. He's my dude. Rest in peace, by the way. But, yeah. So are these are these thoughts like like I said, you know, we see a lot of guys on tour where they'll make like, you know, a sixty footer and they'll just do the and they'll just kind of walk up there. Are you planning any of these things prior to, or is this just stuff that's just in the moment? whatever happens happens. I think it's in the moment happens happens. I definitely would say like the first down goes back into like hanging out with your boys in the hotel. And you're like, Hey man, I'm telling you one day I'm thinking about, I'm going to make a putt before it goes in. I'm going to bust out the Heisman move or something. What do you think (laughs) about it? And they're like, well, it better be for the win. You know, or something. I'm like, All right, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, and then like I remember talking to Corey Merle, my buddy. He's like, I always stay with the Pro Tour court. I was like, dude, I'm thinking about busting out every time I throw. I'm going through the first down, and he kind of gave me the look because he'll be the first person to tell me, "Uh, hell no, that ain't that's <laughs> You know, so he kind of like, oh, I kind of like it. And I know when Corey says that, I'm like, okay, I, I think I can pull it off though, because he'll usually tell me no. Nah. So, and then whenever preserve happened, we played, I kind of hit good at Texas, but there weren't no fans. And I ended up winning Lone Star with no fans. I ended up playing really good for there for that stretch. So preserve 2021 was the first time I got to play with fans. And then I got there like the day before I had my freaking station wagon, blah, 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 showed up, not knowing nothing. They put me on lead card. I almost was thinking about not going, and that was when I was like, all right, here it is. And I threw my first shot inbounds, and I gave it the first down, and everybody just kind of did the, let's go first down, buddy And I was like, okay, okay all right, it stuck. And then ever since then, I just kind of rolled with it. Yeah, people love it. Yeah, I think, I think those are things that, obviously, at the end of the day, we all want to play good disc golf, but I think it's also important to realize that this is like an entertainment to the fans. Like if we don't have fans, we're basically just gambling with each other's money, right? That's what ultimately we're doing. So the fans is what's making it a lot different and making it into a sport. And I think the more personalities that we get to have and the more that people are free out there, I think it's just more entertaining. So um, I know everyone's really excited to see what you do next. That is for sure. Um, 
question. What does winning the $18,000, how, how does that impact? Cause I mean, that's a good chunk of change and these purses are getting higher and higher. So what, what does that, you know, maybe talk about the difference of you winning a tournament 10 years ago and getting a purse, uh, you know, getting a winning of what a thousand dollars, $2,000 to 18,000. Like what, what is, what does that look, look like? Well, we can go ahead and start off by I started off the 2021 tournament pulling up in my station wagon. So yep. that's a good start. You know, that'll basically base down how the payouts have gotten a lot better. And recently compared, because I always was grinding my whole life. You know, a lot of I have like, even though I've made a lot of money on the PJ site, though, one thing that saved me, a lot of people don't know, though, is we had a Southern National Tour that weren't PDJ tournaments that I could play, which I love to, they paid cash, <laughs> but, and, uh, and, but we used to have a whole series and I think it just stopped like a couple years ago. The one my dad ran and, uh, we'd always have like an underground, I guess it was almost called like an underground series that nobody really knew that me and cam and people like rivers, Eric Tracy, Mike young, all these old time players that played on the tour. These uh, growing up, starting off playing and, uh, it, it the basis of it though is I still gotta say it though, my dad started the Southern Nationals because he went to '95 Worlds and he was a Climbo fan, and I think first place was like thirty five hundred dollars, thirty three hundred, and he just thought it was like the craziest thing that the World Championships was thirty five hundred. When he sent him like seven hundred and fifty dollars for the Halloween Haller he ran, and he's like, "Y'all can't raise no more money," and he just wanted them to like kind of give back to their own sport and be like, "Look, if y'all just take a dollar out of these fees that y'all are charging everybody, and put it back to not just the pro purse, but everybody's division." So like, whenever you look at all the results, all the masters that play there, they get a, you know, dollar into the Masters Worlds pot, and all their pot builds that way. Maybe for AMs, you know, you can end up. Like, however many points you have, you actually get a free entry fee to Worlds and all that stuff, you know? So there's also ways to use the money to help them, the players, you know? And I always think the biggest thing, reason the disc golf hasn't grown is because the World Championship is the staple event, and it's always kind of had the asterisk of not having a good payout that's always kind of made disc golf laughable mm. to a certain degree. And I think now that disc golf, the purse of Worlds is getting bigger, really helping the game but just being able to but my dad started the southern nationals point story is all the money was a non-profit it's probably why nobody wants to run it right now you know because you really make zero dollars because all the money goes back into the organization itself for whoever plays in the tournaments two dollars goes to the championship mm. so that's why back in the day the southern national championship had a good payout it's because it was just kind of giving back to itself to kind of help grow the game for have a championship, you know, because it's hard to get sponsor money. Sometimes it's hard to get fine, especially back in the day. So it was kind of a way to kind of cheat the game to grow hmm. itself. Gotcha. Nice. Um, you said something that I thought was very fascinating at the end of your interview, uh, at your post round interview, after you ended up winning, you talked about how this whole narrative of, you know, you've gotten so close, you've gotten so close could have been, never existed had you have won the very first time you played MVP. You said it came down to the last hole and you were winning. Can you, I don't, you know, I don't know the backstory there. Can you go a little bit more into detail of, of the, what that looked like your first MVP open? Um, 
I just know it was my first time here. I know it was just like epically beautiful because I'd never been really nowhere in the Northeast at that point. So it was just like, a, wow, this this is really freaking cool. And uh, it was me and Nico. I don't think I had the lead. I think we were tied. But I want to say that we, like, I won't say we lapped the field, but we definitely had probably like a six or something cushion on third kind of kind of tournament. So it was definitely just a me and him show. And he threw kind of like a low shot off the tee. And I threw, well, I used to throw these red star bosses. I only had like three of them. But I used to throw them so good, probably the best this guy ever threw. And I threw like one of the best tries I ever threw. And it landed behind this one Christmas tree, which is like the same Christmas tree. Oh, no. I swear I landed behind the other day. I swear <laughs> to God. But this is when the tee box was shorter. So Nico ends up throwing his like wizard up shot under there, parked it really good shot. So I was just like, damn, okay, now I got it. And then I had the little Christmas tree. Rest of the story, I didn't get up and down. Uh-huh. And then I ended up playing two weeks later at the Skylands Classic. And they moved it from, it was supposed to be at Warwick, and they moved it to somewhere in Pennsylvania. And me and Dave Felberg tied uh, to go in a playoff. And on the first hole, I kind of got a weird little skip, not to say like I kind of like I did. I threw it. Firebird got the rocky skip. He threw an Obama eagle. Obama died eagle. No skip off the rock. Did the flop over, and I lost. So that was back-to-back right there where I could have really easy got the monkey off the back yeah. there. Yeah. I ended up not really making the best decisions in life after that for a couple of years. So my game went down, as you can tell. So I really, and then I really had to dig it back deep after that. So like that, I remember not that that had nothing, but that could have really, after a long time thinking about it, those two tournaments definitely have come to mind many and many and many times. Yeah. Where's your mental now after, after finally getting the, 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 the monkey off your back, as you called it, like, where, where is that? What do we, what, what should we expect for Maddie O uh, at USDGC? And what should we expect at Maddie O uh, next year on tour? I kind of always start with the same formula. I always go for a top 10 because I feel like that keeps me playing smart golf. If I try to strive for too much high, you get a little bad roll OB, and then your cr- dreams are crushed and gone. We know how good everybody is now, so I try to keep my goals reasonable but good. And then if I get in the mix, push the pedal down. You know, like you know when we get in the mix, the ca- the cameras get in there. You know when you shoot good. You know when you're kind of get in there. So whenever that moment comes, you just gotta, you know, put a little more on it there. That's when that's when I call it the chance to go for it. All right, you're in the set. You know you're in a set position. You know. Start putting a little bit on it, you know, start. You can't just start chipping all of them, you know. Like, for example, last week, uh, hole one, I didn't go for it one time, you know, at all. I gave that one away to the field, you know, Mm. and stuff like that. And just learn, like, but sometimes you can't do that at the end of the stretch, you know. Like, you know, you're coming down the stretch and you get to a hole like hole one at Maple Hill. There ain't me laying it up and trying to get my fourth place. No, you know, you got to kind of stay assertive in certain moments. So that's always been my thing. It's just kind of knowing when to always play myself in position because I never want to be out of it. That's like I always try to hang, hang, because once I want to be around the people, I don't want to be waking up early. So I always just try to <laughs> I always try to at least get the first round good for sure and then try to stay in and then keep going, going, going. That's always been – I like that formula. What is What are some like the favorite things – that you've seen change in this sport over the years? And then what are some things that you maybe miss that don't exist anymore? 
Um, I definitely like the, that we don't put on Mach 3s no more. I've okay. had a lot of horror stories about that. That might have what got me start drinking was Mach 3s back then. <laughs> I, <ain't gonna> <laughs> I mean, for real, for all the freaking bad times of those baskets, let's be for real. Okay. Um, and because I could have maybe let the monkey off the back back then if it might have not been for the Mach 3s, you know. Let's be um, <laughs> But um, things I, that's definitely one thing I like seeing change, too. One of my dreams back then was just to be able to have my family and my dad be able to watch me play when I'm not home, and that's fulfilled. So that's kind of like a really big thing. Are they I know watching that like every week too? Are they tuning in all the time? My family definitely tunes in. Anytime they know I'm around the card at all, even if I'm not on the two features and they know I'm in there, they'll they'll watch. That's awesome. And uh, things I'd like to see go back to the old way uh i don't want to start some controversy on how if i like or i did kind of like the six six rule for some weird reason maybe what I'm is that? where if you land in a tree over six six it's ob oh, like, the, oh the the freaking uh what do they call yeah. that two oh, meter the rule, six, six the two rule. Meter rule. Yeah, the six six rule. Oh, that rule's terrible. <laughs> I told you don't wait, get me started. I said wait. I warned you before I said wait, why hold on. Why is that rule good? I don't know. I just liked it back in the day. It was like a thrill. <laughs> it was the thrill of the frisbee golf rule, you know. We didn't have much back then. We didn't have ropes on the side. So you're like, please stick in the tree if you're bound. Okay, it wasn't like skip O B, you know, so but no, uh, really, just trying to just make sure we improve on what we need to really improve. Are you, you happy know? with the direction that disc golf has taken over the last several years? Cause I feel like there's probably been a, a massive change with COVID and everything these last several years. Is everything, do you see disc golf kind of going in the right direction? Oh, absolutely. I mean, three years ago, I would have never, even right there before COVID, I would have never believed. I thought it was almost, my dream was getting near kind of over. Wow. I was 31, 32, kind of grinded my whole life and just never really made it. Still just got another, you know, got stuck with the thing I was doing, but I just loved it so much. I couldn't give it up, you know? And then after COVID, I told the true story about just, I was like maybe going to listen to some music on YouTube during the middle of the summer of COVID. I didn't even know tournaments had really started then. And I saw where preserve was the top thing where Nico won it. And it had like 600,000 views. And I was like, Oh, shit like you know like I, there's only one other video that's ever had that kind of views and it was the 2019 uh final nine or the final round it had like over a million views it's the only one that even came close so i was like oh snap what's going on watched it and it just kind of pumped me up watching it and he hit that little spinner putt yeah. Yeah. and i was just like okay and then i kind of saw the hype building back up i saw the payout was pretty good and at that point jeff spring started messaging me every week and was putting me on the list, even though there was no way I was going to make it to each of the tournaments at the end of 2020. And uh, kind of just kind of got me filled while him was doing that because I was just like, sorry, man, I ain't going to make it again, you know. And I just did that like three, four times. I'm like, man, I really want to start doing this again. Mm. And tried it, gave it one chance on the off season, And I really kind of just hit the home run when I started that Texas run, when I did the – Texas States and Lone Star because like I said earlier, like we didn't have film disc golf at all. So I met my girlfriend 
was kind of a fairy tale that I was a pro disc golfer to her family. I was, they were like, yeah, yeah. And then I came back from Texas. They got to watch it, see it, believe, you know, and then it all came full circle. And they're like, keep going. Like, you know, so it all was like, okay. So it definitely happened really quick, but the game's definitely growing in the right direction in super good ways. And it's awesome to see. Nice. What's it like being like one of the older guys on tour? So you've been playing, you know, Brody and I were talking earlier. You're, I feel like you're the only person, you and Barsby pretty much, that have been on tour longer than I have. What's that like, like spanning the tests of like th- almost three generations? You played with Climo. You played in the middle when Shoestrick was like kind of killing it, you know, and now you're in this new era of, uh, you know, you got Calvin and you got, you know, Gannon and a bunch of young kids kind of coming up. What's that it's- like? It's cool, man, because I was always like the kid growing up and everybody got to see grow up. Now it's kind of fun to see these kids grow up. You know, I've seen Gannon already kind of grow up and I've seen some of these kids start off and like I've seen Adam Hammers grow up from somebody I never thought I'd like to now he's one of my favorite kids on tour. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know. Like, so like, I'm definitely, it's cool to see it that way in that aspect these days too. Like, man, these boys are growing up, you know? Yeah. It's really cool to see because, you know, and back back then though it's definitely uh there was definitely a wilder crowd back then it was more of a family and now it's kind of gotten to like a internet i call it international family it's like an internet family now versus an actual personal family because we didn't have the internet we kind of used the tournaments as gatherings Mm. and leagues as gatherings there weren't no internet telling us there was a toss at five o'clock everybody just knew it because of word of mouth and because of flyers off the tournament at the course, you know, yeah. and stuff. So it's definitely cool to see that part of the, you know, that change. But that's definitely been, I think, one of the big things, too, is it used to be more of a family on the course. Now it's more of like an Internet family. Yeah. I got to ask about the sunglasses. This this would drive me absolutely insane. I How do you do it? How, how are you how are you throwing these shots <laughs> with these sunglasses mid throw flying off? How is this not a, first off, are you, are you, are the sunglasses too big or are you throwing so hard that they're flying off? And how is this not affecting your throws at all? Well, I hate to say it, it's probably cause I got a small ass head Brody. So they just <laughs> fall off all the time, man. But, uh, I just, I guess I got used to it. Just playing all the time. I used to wear these gold glasses I bought that I used to get all the time from, they sold them at like Walgreens for two years. I forget what brand they're called, like Surge <laughs> or something. So I could get these gold glasses from Walgreens guaranteed for two years every time. So I always wore these gold glasses and just they'd fall off mad every time. But then everybody's like, hey, why don't you get one of the things around it? And I swear I thought about it. If they would still fall off anyways, if I had them on my ears, they would You're still like go the flying fishermen, off. Like the fisherman yeah. glasses? Yeah, the fishing where it's thing. Like... And then I don't want them like down on my chest where they're like on my neck hanging on my chest throwing. And I don't want to go <laughs> choker style where they're choking, like choker and hanging in my back. So I'm just like, it's either just do it this way or don't do it at all, you know, because it's just going right. to fall off anyways. I mean, it, doesn't seem, ever... it seems to be working. So no reason to change it up now, I guess. Have you ever yeah. had them fall off and then you hit it with your arm swing and mess you up? Not yet. Not yet, honestly. 
That's where I think right, it would right. happen if I had the band on it. This yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that would completely be all kinds of messed up. That might even cost me a sunglasses sponsorship because I'm breaking them when I'm throwing them. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like oh, I don't know if that's a good, you know, move. Um, you're, you're someone, cause I, I remember when we went up to blue Ridge, we kind of showed up at North Cove roughly around the same time and you got out of your car and this was after I think the import DDO and like kind of the golf course stretch. And you mm-hmm. had just talked about how like, Oh my gosh, it feels so good to be back in the mountains. So you mm-hmm. seem to be one of the guys that really does enjoy going to certain areas on tour. So with that being said, Outside of the actual course, outside of the actual tournament, what are your favorite spots, uh, stops, if you will, on tour? Like just in general, like if there was no disc Correct. Golf. Like just for oh. like, if you were there, not for disc golf at all, what, what, are, so all right. what spots are you really looking forward to? Uh, anywhere on the Gulf Coast from New Orleans to freaking Fort Myers, I'd be down with. Uh the Smoky Mountains is I love that part. I want to check out the Chess Chesapeake Bay like area. I drove, I slept in my car on accident on the way home yesterday. I woke up in that area <laughs> somewhere accident? at a rest stop. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was just driving, you know, and I pulled in a rest area and I woke up. It was like Chesapeake Bay watershed or something, and it was like pretty interesting and like really nice in there. But I want to like kind of do some Maryland research, like. I think Maryland's like cooler than people think it is. And especially on that little Chesapeake Bay area, I'd like to do some, but I like Lake Tahoe is one of my favorite spots for sure. Lake Tahoe. Uh, Yeah. I would like to go to a concert at red rocks one day for sure. That's kind of my, something I'd like to do. And not much of a Midwest guy, but Chicago at all. Do you do any like uh, snowboarding or skiing? Man, I've seen snow what two and a half times in my life, and I think it's been wet. But all, all really, wow. Okay, so you you like being out in nature, but you haven't really um, like. Are you just like more into the hiking and kind of exploring that kind of stuff? I'm just maybe not necessarily hiking, like just to hike, but hiking. Like I'm more of an urban person, honestly. Like okay. I'm very, I like cities. I like going to the cities and kind of living the city life more, and then just kind of experimenting. Like if I do like those spots, you know, I do just do something, but just kind of more of more just feeling the vibe of like, like if I go to Lake Tahoe, I'm gonna hang out in the lake and go, you know, try to do that thing. Not much of more of like just straight up hiking. Gotcha. Or I'm trying to go fishing out there, you know, or something. What's uh? What's your favorite restaurant? Uh, restaurant on tour. Favorite restaurant on tour, man. I can't go against that Kansas City barbecue, man. That Joe's, Oof. Oklahoma Joe's, Kansas City Oakey Joe's, Joe's, and I like Gates, <laughs> and I like Gates too, man. The Gates <laughs> sauce is the boss, dude. Dang, I, I gotta try that next time. Uh, I I we like uh, Las. I think it's called Las Flores. It's in Des Moines. It's that Mexican uh-huh. joint down the street. Oh man! They... Oh, the corner hole in the wall place. Yeah, that place <laughs> yeah, is good. That place is cool though. Yeah, I like good. that place too. That place is good. Um, Dude, they come out fast too. You can put, you can order a meal and they'll pop that thing out in like ten minutes too. It's, it's crazy so nice. It it's so nice. Um, all right, a couple a couple uh, fan questions here. This one was: uh, if you had to pick between winning the Iron Bowl every year or winning an elite series. And this is perfect timing. Cause you know exactly how you feel after winning an elite series. 
uh, every year, which do you pick? So iron bowl every year, or you get to win an elite series every year. Which one are you picking? I hate to say it, but I'd have to take the elite series just because we could lose the iron bowl possibly and still go to the sec championship and beat Georgia and go to the national <laughs> championship. Cause we got to lose one game. If we're going to go to the, win the championship, we've only gone clean slate. I think once or twice the whole time. So that's actually we're good to lose early. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Um, what has been the most important life lesson being on tour this long? Like what's the most important life lesson you've got you you've been taught? Uh, my life lesson can't really point out one, but I can definitely tell that I've learned more maybe from besides like math being on tour, just sitting around like a family being around, like, cause we stay at people's house, especially this old time schooler disc golfers. We didn't, we were lucky if we got to sleep on an air mattress in the hotel. So we were always staying at people's houses and like seeing their lifestyle. They're eating around the dinner table, seeing everybody's like the ways, the styles of life have definitely been to me the most looking back on it. Biggest on me and changed me and kind of turned me into the person I am is just the simple stuff is going to that kind of level, you know? Yeah. So those like, just always like eating dinner, being around people, seeing different cultures and being in seeing different people's lifestyles has probably been the biggest thing for me. And the last one I got, we got to know pet peeves. Do you have any pet peeves? Any, anything that gets under your skin while you're playing disc golf out in the course, anything that maybe players say while you're playing that really gets, oh, gets, to, gets under, uh, under your nerves. Hate headphones for one. Um, <laughs> dude, like, Number one, probably hater of headphones all time. <laughs> and I'm not a hater. I hate those things. I can't stand them. I did and get I, word from one of the higher ups that they are looking to take that away in the future. That is, that has come across the table and maybe something we will see in the future of no headphones moving. The forward. reason I didn't jump on to two o'clock is it took me 15 minutes to get my girl's ear freaking pods dialed onto my phone because they were set up on her phone dude like true oh, story that, that yeah <laughs> trying to transfer that i have no dude, idea how that ass. works you just keep dude, pressing buttons them. i think you had to put them in the case and do certain thing while they're in the case before you do something 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 she yeah. took care of it i'm with you i my headphones these aren't my headphones but my headphones i'm currently using are my wives because my headphones broke and it was a fiasco for me to try to get synced up because I started playing something and I was like, it's saying it's playing, but nothing. I'm with you on that. Uh, I think that's messed yeah. up. They should make that way easier. I'm with you on that. I just lose. And then another thing I hate <laughs> and I never understood is the aspect of rectangle tee boxes. This might sound like Alabama roll tide, but I just think a rectangle tee box is like one of the stupidest things there is because <laughs> There's so many ways of running up. If you want to change the basket at all, it kind of ruins the tee box. You can never adapt to fix it. And I just think the rectangle tee box has got to go. What, what, you, what shape? What shape are you feeling? I like circles or something just a little, but just the straight up rectangle has got to go. That's so like Fountain Hills-esque? I like that. I like that. It gives everybody the proper like way of trying to make a golf move but make sure the back around it's still professional as well. So it mm -hmm. just can't be like a drop off behind a little baby circle too. You know, you just gotta, but I definitely like it better like that too, or something in that sorts. 
D-pads, always a big issue here on Tour Life. Uh, Yuli, you got and the final. And I don't like artificial grass either. That's another thing I'm not turf. a big fan of. Anti-turf. Yeah, I don't like that. Okay. I don't like those. Anything that had the, the little, like, football field stripe in it on a tee box this year on tour, I hated it. I don't want that no more. <laughs> if you can tell it was used at, well, hate to break it to you, but next year, Worlds, that's what New London is. So, um, All right. Yeah, well, there you go. I'll work, uh, on, I'll work on a new style sheet for that tournament, and that'll have to be my little scouting report. <laughs> uh, Yuli, you got the final question. Yeah, Maddie, out of all the new guys that you're playing with on tour currently, who who do you look at their game and you and you go like, uh, man, that's nice. I like that a lot. Like, who who on tour? Hmm. Let me see. Well, definitely you got to go with somebody like AB is just like so clean such a really good form and just throw all around it's just so nasty definitely had to put him up there um eagle it's pretty amazing eagle's pretty freaking amazing and he's adapting to this backhand pretty well like with his accuracy and even some of them what all is pretty good yeah and then um let me see let me go one more trying to go through the list in my head there's so many of freaking young kids coming up and i definitely like me some Ganonberg game too and isaac robinson has a super solid game <laughs> them four right there those four right there Ganonberg, isaac robinson and then you got cole and i mean there's all kind of ones <laughs> there's all sorts you know. of stuff you can pick from uh from the pro yes, tour sir. that's for sure man and i told trayvon i've been saying with my boys Randon lotta and Tra- uh, trevin crow and I told him, I said, look, this is because they're going to move. The, they're staying in Florida this offseason. Well, Trayvon's staying down there. I said, look, this is the Matteo quote. You don't want to go down there. When you come back on tour next year, I want you to be a badass Frisbee golfer, like a Frisbee thrower. I don't want you to go down to Florida and just throw it and sit there and throw your freaking real disc all over freaking practice. I want you to go down the beach and learn to throw a Frisbee. Because that'll help you in so many other dividends, and you'll never know. It'll teach you angles, throwing putter, and it's just super fun. It's good for the soul too. But I told him, I said, next year on tour, Trayvon, Trayvon, I wanted you to be a what? He said, a frisbee thrower. I said, dang straight. Heck yeah. So we're gonna <laughs> be so he's my he he is my uh, prototype this year on that talk. So we'll see how my boy Trayvon do next year, and then I might have this little <laughs> recipe. I love it. I love it. Um, I think I think we all aspire to be a good frisbee thrower. I think that's what we all end I mean, up wanting like to do. You're the greatest frisbee thrower maybe ever. So yeah. <laughs> I wish it translated more to disc golf, uh, but I appreciate the kind words, Maddie. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. It was awesome to get you on here. I know tons of people have been very excited for you to come on here and talk and, and get to hear all the cool stories that you gave us. So we appreciate that so much, man. And uh, enjoy the next couple weeks off, and we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you. In Rock Hill here in a few for uh, USCGC. Thank you. Thank y'all boys for letting me be on here. This Heck is yeah, the brother. only one I'm doing. I'm just letting all the whole world know. This Here's is the, the only thing, man. That's, that's our goal. That's me and Yuli's goal. We want to be a one, going, one-stop shop, baby. I am, and I'm going back to being a normal person again. Y'all see the regular old Matteo again, and I guarantee you it. We Love appreciate it, you, brother. Thank you so Thank much you so for coming much, on, Maddie. honestly. Thank you, boys. Love y'all. All right, brother. Take it easy. All right, there you have it. The 2023 MVP Open, Matt Orem. Wow. Wow. I, I know it was difficult to get him to come on here. And I, you know, we obviously appreciate everything for him to come on here. 
people are going to want to see him to come on again. Yeah. People are going to want to see him push some favors through for sure with him. I I basically had to beg him to come on. I'll tell you what though. I've never laughed so hard in my life. <laughs> the, the stuff he says is just absolutely hilarious. We might I have mean, to do a like character. a round table in the future with like Rivers. <laughs> oh my and, gosh. Uh, what was the other guy's name that he said that like was his butt? Like we might need to get like a Matteo round table and just let it go off the rails. Could maybe you imagine? Maybe that'll be behind the paywall type of a podcast. We might have to be a behind the paywall podcast. Yeah. Um, but wow, there you have it. That was incredible. Love that. Um, all right, let's zip on through here to FPO. Talk a little bit. FPO action, Maple Hill. Uh, you have Haley King taking it down, uh, shooting seven under with Kristen Natar just on her heels at six under, tying it with Owen Scoggins. Also, I, here's here's the the big storyline for for me, and then I'll 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 pass it off to you. Big storyline for me is there were two two holes for Kristen and one hole for Owen that basically ruined it, but. I wouldn't say they handed it to Haley King, but they definitely put it on a platter and she just went up and got it right. Cause yeah. she ended up playing really well and did everything she could towards the end. But Owen ends up quadruple putting four putting, which I don't think I've ever seen own four putt before on whole. Uh, what was it? 14, I think, 14, or, yeah. or no, it was whole 11. It was a whole 11. I can't remember exactly the whole, but she ends up four putting, uh, losing by one. So there's a b- whole bunch of strokes right there. And then you have Kristen Tatar throws it into a bush on hole 16. I have no idea what happened there. I don't know if she was trying to go super aggressive to try to make a putt and was trying to throw it through a tight line. It seemed like a pretty standard up and up and down for her. And then on 17, same thing is like, she tries to run a putt, air balls it, misses the comeback comebacker and three putts. And it's like, if she lays up that putt on 17 and then she gets up and down on 16, she walks, she walks in with this win. Um, but I thought Haley absolutely clutched it on 18. She ended up putting herself in the exact position that you want to be. She made Kristen go first, which yeah. is exactly what you need to do there. Because if Kristen goes OB, Haley just lays up and wins. Kristen throws it under the basket. Haley steps up, throws it under the basket, gets the W and um, yeah, another, another great win here from Haley King. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, watching this, I didn't see a lot of the final round, uh, but I saw a few of the other rounds. And one of the things that people don't realize is Kristen had a big lead multiple times in this tournament, Mm -hmm. a big one. Mm-hmm. Like five or more strokes, I want to say three or four times dur- during the duration of the tournament. At one point, she might have had seven sh- a seven-stroke lead on the card that she was on, where Haley took a six on five. She went like bogey, d- double, or or triple bogey, double bogey or something, and she went like birdie, birdie. Yeah, there was some big flip-flopping in scores. And then all of a sudden at the end of the round, they're close again. So it was a crazy up and down battle, which I feel like you might see a lot at this tournament just because of the stroke separations on every single hole. It's pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty crazy, but it comes down to this. Kristen did not have a lead going into the final (laughs) round. It still holds true. I thought it was going, I thought it was going to be smashed (laughs) because she was shredding on the front nine. Yep. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for Yuli to have to take back and uh, 
She let me down. The, it and still she, stands. She's a front runner, man. Still stands, man. It's crazy. But no, uh, congratulations to Haley. Like you said, playing that. I mean, because she took that uh, triple bogey, double bogey, double bogey. I think she went triple bogey, double bogey. It was double bad. Bogey. It was a very bad run. And to come back and and win the tournament, some good mental fortitude. I mean, crazy. Yeah, she she's been battling some injuries this year. You know, up and down. Especially after she won, she had to pull out of the very next tournament. Mm-hmm. And so to come back for a dub. But you and I have always been saying that Haley's kind of a boss. Her ceiling is super high. We just yeah. haven't seen the consistency from tournament to tournament. And that's yeah. where it's weird. Is like you'll sometimes see her finish in like 24th place. And you're just like, what the heck? It doesn't make sense. Um, Kristen might have a little bit of a nemesis when it comes to MVP. This is now her third straight second yeah. place finish. Uh, at MVP, uh, and it's all, it's currently the only major or elite series that she has played multiple times and hasn't won. She's won every tournament elite and major that she's played multiple times. She's won. This is the only one she hasn't That's won crazy. yet. So you know, this might be nuts. a big circle on her uh, schedule next year. You know, what's crazy is going into the women's USCGC, she has a chance to win all the majors, which would be the only woman ever to do so. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, That's crazy. Lisa Fakus threw from a canoe. Um, The problem with this too, is it had to stay there the entire round. (laughs) Because once it's there, you can't remove it. So uh, one of the most... Also, you get comments all over the place, right? So some people are saying this is hilarious, whatever, whatever. Some people are like, I can't believe they left the canoe on the hole. And then there's other people who are like, this is why I like disc golf. And it's like, okay, well, you know, to each their own. If if you like disc golf because people are throwing shots out of a canoe, you're an interesting bird. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, this is a this is from Stat Mando Steve Do. Stat Man Steve Do. So I think it's someone that works with stat Mando. There's a stat. He has said since 2019, uh, there have only been, uh, these are the only FPO players with multiple wins. When Kristen Tatar has been in the field, Tatar obviously has 17 leading that Pierce page Pierce six, Katrina Allen four, and then Missy Gannon and Haley King with two. So, um, yeah, not a lot. Not you don't win that often when Kristen's in the field, and there's only no. a couple that have done it multiple times. So, a um, couple other crazy things from MVP Open is we had the disc divers. These are probably the most famous disc divers in disc golf, simply because of just the number of discs. I took a photo when we were walking by one of the rounds. This was like the middle of the round of how many discs he had in his canoe. It ended up being they they pulled over three thousand discs out of the lakes at Maple Hill, three thousand discs, wild stuff. Um, so if you've ever lost a disc at a hole eight, hole fourteen, hole four, hole five at your home course, uh, yeah. <laughs> it might have ended up in that. They, pond they, they, might, they might have it. Uh, quick trophy talk. Crap, I. I forgot to ask Maddie. That was one question I wanted to ask him is what trophy they ended up giving him. Do you know, Yuli? I don't know. Because the, 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 tr- the sign that they have, that's just the sign that's in the clubhouse in the pro shop. So I don't know uh, what trophy they ended up giving him. So I don't have any trophy talk. That's all. I, I blew it. 
Well, I they did have to... the trophies for the Pro Tour Championships. Those. I like those. I like those. Okay. Yes. I don't have a photo of those. Sorry. But those, yeah, those are fine. Um, obviously, Calvin ends up winning that and Kristen Tatar ends up winning it for FPO. Yep. No uh, surprises there. All right. Let's talk quickly about this Champions Cup situation. I kind of want to get your thoughts on it. So if you've been living under a rock, you have no idea. Champions Cup, WR Jackson. This is where the headquarters of the PDGA live and are. They're very passionate about these courses there. They're very, um, they want these courses to, to remain. They want the champions cup to remain on site. And unfortunately due to an infestation of the Southern pine beetle, never heard of it. The, uh, international disc golf center is going to be undergoing a bunch of clearing of the pine trees on property. It is said that over 29 acres have been affected on the actual, uh, IDGC property over 129 acres total in the wildwood park. Um, it's going to be affecting a lot of WR Jackson and the Jim Warner Memorial course as well. So what's going to end up happening it's going to take over five to six weeks, but what's going to end up going to happening is they're going to remove all these trees. And because they're going to remove all these trees, WR Jackson is not going to exist. It's not going to be a course that they can play on. And so they're going to end up having uh, course designers come in and their goal is to develop two new championship level courses and a shorter beginner friendly course as well. So it looks like they are planning on having potentially a two course setup. Now, I think this would be ideal to have a championship level course for MPO and a championship level course right. for FPO. My guess is they probably will just do both and we'll just play one one day and play one the other day. It's probably what it's going to look like. Um, the big news regarding this is their plans on the 2024 champions cup, their plans are to actually move it to the end of the season, October 31st to November 3rd. It will be the final event that most of us guys will be playing at next year. And my, my, my initial thoughts on this, Yuli, I, I don't believe a single thing the PGA ever says. I think the PDGA is very similar to a lot of people's Twitter accounts. Something just pops in their head and they just immediately make a post about it. We've seen it time and time before where they've said one thing about something and then they turn, it turns out and like, Oh no, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that champions cup was supposed to be a tournament inside of a tournament. They're going to hold a tournament and then the top four, we're going to start a new tournament. And everyone was like, that's the stupidest idea. And so they changed that completely. Do we think this is going to stay? Do you think we're going to have champions cup played in November next year? Or do you think there's going to be enough backlash of moving it to the end of the season that they're going to change it? I have no clue. You don't even have, you don't have a finger on the pulse at all. You don't have any sort of inkling no. of what's going to happen here. No, I feel like that's tough. I think it's a good time of year for Georgia. I do. Yeah, it's a good time of year for um, Georgia. Seems like Worlds is going to be in what time? August. August. So you go Worlds. You go Maple well, First Hill. off, you go D-Glow. Yeah. Right? Big well, D-Glow, Ledgestone, yeah. Worlds. And then MVP. you're going up Boston. Yeah. Uh, probably Vermont. And then you're coming back here GMC, for USDGC. USCC, Tour Championship. I don't mind it. Champions Cup. 
Julie, that's a lot of big events in like two months. What are we doing? Oh, I know. What are we doing in February? Why are we why are we starting in February then and having all these uh months where nothing's happening? Well, I do know this the weather in that time's good. That's all I'm worried about. <laughs> I mean, nothing's happening. Literally, the the beginning, the whole beginning of the season, yeah, nothing's happening until European Open. I don't know anymore, man. It's wild. Uh, to me, I think it's I, I always I already think the schedule's so jam-packed at the end. And now yeah. I feel like you're now just removing a tournament that was earlier in the season to now, even at the that. end, yeah. it, it's so jam packed. I don't, I, I think there's going to be backlash. I don't think players are going to want to have another major tournament. I mean, you just heard Matty O he's like, he's ready for the season to be over. Oh, we're all ready. And it's imagine, crazy. imagine if you're like, no, actually you guys have to play another event. Yeah. I mean, USCGC playing and then the Pro Tour Championships right away is crazy. Yeah. I remember last year I didn't make it, and I was, like, kind of stoked. <laughs> well, that's that's what boat I'm in right now. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Tour Championship, let's go there. Uh, Yuli, incredible second half run. This stat was put out by Statmando. This is nuts, man. After Beaver State fling, you were 89th in disc golf pro tour points. You had zero elite and major top fifties. No, no top fifties. You had one top 30 in a silver event, only cash. And you only had 39.9 points. And the funny thing is, is that cash was last year. It was a wraparound. Oh, it was a wraparound. <laughs> yeah. So after that event, you now have 10 elite slash major top fifties. You have eight top thirties. You only miss cash once. And now you're sitting at 32nd place. And most likely because Paul will not be playing in the event, you're getting the nod and you're in the tour championship. How does that feel, man? It's pretty crazy. Uh, it was funny. You actually asked me if I was going to make a push on one of these podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think I said yes, but in, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, right. But you know what? What's crazy about it is the way that the tour sets it up is you get double points, like not necessarily double, but you get big time points for these elite series plus. Mm-hmm. And those are the only tournaments that I cashed in. So it was like, I played good at all the elite series plus. So I got uh one and a half times the points and uh, it's all matters. Yeah, though. I, I ended up sneaking in there. Um, and this is one thing that people aren't, aren't talking about is I will get in. Cause I, Paul's not playing. I talked to him. I made sure of it. Cause I didn't want to post anything <laughs> and be like, dude, are you coming or not? He's like, no, I'm not playing, but there is a loophole for somebody to take my spot. If somebody wins the USCGC who's not in the tournament, does I'm that out. count though? It says elite series and major winners get exemptions. Don't make me do it, Yuli. See, but that'd be Don't sick. make me do it. You, I'll you do, do it, it. Yuli. Do Don't do make it. me do it. Get me out of there. <laughs> Can you imagine? So, oh my gosh. I could. That's the sad <laughs> thing is I so- could totally imagine. So I'm not like, uh, all the way in yet. I mean, there's a pretty good opportunity uh, that I'm going to get in there, um, which is really cool. No, I'm proud of myself, man. It was a tough, yeah. tough beginning of the season. I missed nine straight caches, dude. That's not something that I normally do, but I was hurt. And the one thing I want people to know is, you know, I don't, I try to stay humble <laughs> for the most part, but uh, I missed last year's. I was injured last year too. It was the same injury. I missed last year's pro tour championship. And then I missed the year where I had my ACL tear, 
when I'm healthy, I'm a really good disc golfer. And I feel like people forget, you know, when, when you have, when you're struggling, um, people forget how good you are really quick. And mm-hmm. I've been good my whole career. And so I'm, I'm a little surprised that I made it kind of, I'm not surprised that I'm playing good. And, uh, you know, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. So, heck yeah. So we like to hear, all right. United States women's disc golf championship starts tomorrow. Yep. First thing, do we need to have disc golf and tournaments names? Is that no, we need sponsors. No, no, no. I'm not even saying I'm like, I'm saying like USDGC, should that just be the United States championship? Or do you like that? It's the United States disc golf championship. Do you like it's the United States women's disc golf championship? Do you like it's the world disc golf championship? Or should we just go with like, this is the European open. This is the world Good question. Good question. You, you let me saying? think about it. Yeah. Let me think, think, think about that a little bit because I, I have noticed like that sometimes, hmm. you know, the U S open, there is a U.S. Open and it's for golf, and there's a U.S. Open and it's for tennis. I feel like we should just have a U.S. Open and it be for disc golf. I, I I'm in. I'm in on that, Brody. I'm I don't. In on. I don't think we should have the U.S. Disc Golf Open. Like I don't think we need. I think disc golf is. Hey, we're good enough to not have to put the name in the in the title. Um, so that's my first thing. Only other storyline after that, Yuli, that I have is you kind of mentioned it a little bit. It's this Kristen Tatar graphic here that the PDGA or the, the pro tour put out a victory at the U S WDGC would make Kristen Tatar the first FPO player to sweep the majors in a single season. She's got champions cup. She's got European open. She's got worlds. Um, there's the only one she's missing. I think that's the only storyline that I have going into this tournament is can Kristen and will Kristen get all four majors this year? Yeah, no, I I'm with you there. I mean, that, I'm going to be watching for for sure because that's history right there. That would be that's, nuts. Yeah, that'd be that'd be crazy. All right, we got probably going to do it. No, well, I mean, the odds, <laughs> for sure, the odds like, for sure, point towards her. But we'll see. Yeah. You never know. Uh, we got a weird post here from Dynamic Disc. It looks like they they wrote an obituary uh, for <laughs> Carter. They said, today we bid farewell to Carter Ahearns, a player we saw grow from junior to pro. We're grateful for all he can contributed to our team. If, if you just end it right there, I'm, I'm thinking like, what the heck happened? Yeah. And then they continue with like, and we wish him the best of luck as he continues. Okay. Just a really weird post. When it first popped up on my timeline, I was like, what happened? And then it's, you know, he's, he's leaving dynamic disc. So Carter, First guy that we've seen on the season's uh, coming, man. On the free agent block. Yep. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Got to give a shout out to Eli Swanson. Uh, I believe this might be the longest recorded ace ever in tournament play. This was on hole 18, 634 feet downhill at Justin Trails. What a freaking way to finish your round, man. Nuts. That's crazy. I saw that shot, man. They got yeah, that's a wild shot. So shout out to Eli Swanson. Uh, I got to play with him quite a bit. Really nice kid. Uh, he's got some really good game too. And uh, my gosh, what an ace. 
Um, a few things housekeeping wise, and then we're out of here. So tour life crew, I've been working on it already. I told you guys we're not in the off season just yet. I still have one more tournament, but I did tell you guys that I'm going to be doing a big overhaul and really start getting into it. And, uh, I've put a lot of time and effort into it already. And I'm still going to be continuing to work on that. So if Silas can, if you can pull up what we've done so far, I want to run through this real quick. Cause we have some tiers that I want you guys to look at. So what we're dealing here right now is we got four different tiers for you guys to choose from. This was, uh, you know, I kind of asked thought, Hey, should we have one tier kind of a one size fits all for everyone? Or is this something that we want? People can pick and choose what perks, what benefits they want for tour life moving forward. Um, while we get those tiers here pulled up, the other thing I have done is I have us and Yuli, you can let me know if you want to be in on this or not. Cause it is, it gets deep, crazy discord. Our discord is uh discord.gg slash foundation disc golf. Uh, there's a lot that we are now integrated. So once you become a member of the tour life crew, that will give you the role in discord. So all you have to do is go to discord.gg slash foundation disc golf. Make sure that you're linked up to your YouTube account and you'll be good to go. Um, so these are the four different tiers that we have. The first one is our recruit tier. Uh, can you scroll down a little bit, Silas? It might look a little bit different for you than others. Um, maybe. I don't know. I might have to pull this up on my end. Um, but essentially what we, we, what we have guys is we have the recruit tier. We have the officer tier. We have the Lieutenant tier. And then we have the captain tier. The big things moving forward is when we do these live chats, what we're going to end up doing, because obviously right now we aren't live, but when we actually go live, you're going to have to be a member to comment in the live chat. Everyone yeah. will be able to see it. It's free. Everything's free. Nothing's changing there. All we're doing now moving forward is it's just going to give us the ability of having a smaller close knit community that are in the chat easier for me to read and kind of keep track of that. Uh, the officer, um, the big thing with the officer, if you go there real quick is you're going to be giving access to member only live streams. So these are streams that I'm going to be doing. Yuli might pop on here and there, but I'm going to be doing these live streams on a monthly basis where it's just kind of a hangout talk, uh, Q and a, whatever it may be. That is the big perk on the officer. Then moving down to Lieutenant Lieutenant, the big perf perk on this is you're going to get a 10% discount on foundation disc golf. That's the big one there. And then moving down to captain, you're going to get not only a 20% discount, you're going to get member shout out. So you will get shout out in uh, the tour life podcast moving forward. And then the other big one too, is we, I, I think this is well, two things, one videos, you'll have me react in the member only live streams. I'll be reacting to videos. So whether it's your ACE, your uh, buddies fail that you want me to react to, or maybe even form review, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be reacting to videos. And then the big one that I'm really excited about is the captain's meeting. The captain's meeting will be held on a monthly basis and it will just be the captains. It will just be us hanging out, probably either in discord, most likely in discord, and it will be video and audio just a hangout captain's meeting only. That's what we're doing moving forward. If you're interested in it, great. If not, everything's going to still be free. You're not going to be missing anything. Yeah. This is all just additional stuff on top of it for people that want more. Um, foundation, we're going to be at USDGC. 
So definitely if you're coming to to Rock Hill, look for the foundation tent. We're going to have a bunch of goodies there. Me and Yuli are going to be, they're going to have something set up for us there. We're going to be doing tour life on the grounds at USDDC on the course. Very excited for that. And then after this will be Hunter, this will be Wednesday after Wednesday, we'll give you guys times and everything like that moving forward. But after we will have, I believe 200 Yuli dark horse discs. It's a logo that's coming. It's going to be fire. Uh, we'll be doing a signing there as well. So hopefully we see you guys Wednesday. It yeah. will be, it'll be, <laughs> that it'll sounds be good. funny. A Yuli dark horse disc, like a dark horse Yuli disc. Well, like, <laughs> is that an obscure disc? Well, it's like, um, you can call it the Yuli horse or you can call it the dark Yuli. I don't know. I don't know exactly what people are going to call it, but it's, it's a cool, it's like a cool it. stamp moving forward. So yes. uh, definitely check that out. And also I have the resumes. So these are all the people that have applied. I will be going through these on my flight back and I'll be reaching out to those to have interviews moving forward. So we appreciate everyone that did apply for the positions. Um, it's incredible to see how many people want to deal with me and Yuli on a regular basis. So we appreciate that. Silas is, uh, Silas is, um, Silas can tell you stories, I guess, of, of the stressfulness of the show, but some of you get to experience that as well. We all get to experience it. So, uh, Yuli, you got anything else? No. Oh, okay. that was an awesome show. Matteo's the best. Dude. Yeah. Matteo just absolutely killed it again. Big shout out to Matteo for coming on. Yeah. We appreciate it. We're probably going to have someone else come on next week because outside of the women's tournament, there won't be too much to talk about. Yeah. Um, so we'll probably bring someone else on maybe leading into USDGC. But other than that, we appreciate all you guys tuning in. Thank you for all the support and uh, we'll see you guys in the next one.